All right, what up, what up? This is Sam of You Do You with another episode coming at you. Today's special guest, and I am so excited to introduce her to you guys, is Shandrika Fea. Am I pronouncing your last? Fea. Fee. 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 Oh, Shandrika Fee. Okay. Like I should have charged you a fee for this. For saying it incorrectly. No. We got an interview. Oh, I'm joking. Oh, okay. I'm joking. <laughs> it's a joke. Hey, we gotta, listen, charge me a fee in the future. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, I got, I got Shandrika Fee. She just wrote a book titled, I Don't Want to Die a Christian. And we are just on here. We're going to have a free flowing conversation and just talk a little bit about everything. God, relationship with God, her journey, my journey. And let's see where it goes from there. Sure. I'd like to offer your listeners that the name of my book is Lord, I Don't Want to Die a Christian. And that is important to me because it literally was a prayer. It is something that I uttered in as a part of my personal relationship with God. I, I was really, I was back in the States and I'm sure we'll cover later. And uh, between two realities and frustration, I just said it out of my mouth and it shocked me. Once I heard it, I heard it then as a book title. And then after that, I just began to pray about, you know, what is this book supposed to be? So where did that title come from? Because that that's what actually piqued my interest to read it. When I read, Lord, I don't want to die a Christian. I'm like, what she means you don't want to die a Christian? I mean, exactly what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I said what I said. And so the title came out of my breath. It was an exhale. And it was was an introduction to me too. I I had an opportunity to go and live in China, do ministry and missions work and teach in China. And China changed me. I went to China to change China, but... I was the one that, yeah, I I gave a Bible study to seven college students. We did that for two years straight. I mean, we went through the whole book of Luke, the entire book. Yeah. And I offered them, uh, offered to assist them in coming into or accepting a relationship with Jesus, the idea of it. And when I came back, I didn't want all that represented, you know, what I taught my students. Mm. I didn't want church anymore. I was just really struggling to adjust to Western religious culture, Western Christianity. I was really struggling with that. But, and then the other side of that is, is Barack Obama was the president. And a lot of our evangelical white brothers and sisters of great influence were expressing their disdain for having a black president. So between those two realities, you know, there was a pastor, a news story about a pastor who had invited his grandson to the pulpit Mm -hmm. to sing a racist song about having a black president in the pulpit. And I remember turning that off. I couldn't take it anymore. I stood up to start cleaning up my apartment. I walk over to my front door, pick up a pair of shoes. And when I stood up, I said, Lord, I don't want to die a Christian. Right. And, you know, now it's an international book title. Like, you know, I, it went from that moment of privacy, prayer to a, a book title and then a book. I mean, so me hearing all of that, for me, what, what my question is, 
if you don't want to die a Christian and you just, you, you shared how the, the guy had his son get up in the pulpit and sing a racist song as it pertained to Ob- Obama being in office. Can you just say this? Like we might have to just accept that there are some people or different levels of Christianity, I guess, or how some people interpret Christianity and what it means. I would say, I would add to that, that people interpret scripture differently too. Right, right. You know, and I think the other thing is that lots of people have bought into the idea of the message of Jesus being packaged in or as an organized religion. You know, someone took his message and made it a brand and, and, you know, millions of people have bought into it. And so what that brand should look like, everybody has their perspective. Yeah, I think I think for me, the brand looks like what's best for me. Mm. It doesn't look like anybody else's. My testimony is not everyone else's testimony. Like if we had the same testimony, that would be pretty boring. I wouldn't want to hear somebody's story over and over again. The same story. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like. God is living, God is living through me and my experience as a trans man. Yeah. What, what brought you to that? What, how did you finally come to the resolve that God is living through you as a trans man? But how many layers did you have to peel back? First of all, I had to get to the belief that nothing was wrong with me. How did Uh, you get there? I hired a life coach. Like this was literally six months ago. I hired a life coach. Okay. Because I just got tired of feeling like something was wrong with me. I was going to hell. Even in finding a new church eight, four years ago, I still had, I I still was back and forth with that. Like how, what is my relationship supposed to look like with God? Wow. And I identify as a trans man. It's so. I I was still dealing with that. It's so personal. Like Mm -hmm. the reason my relationship is, the reason you're reading about it is because I wrote about it. Yeah. My, all of the things that you have read in the book Mm -hmm. could have remained silent and no one would have ever known. It's so personal. Yeah. My relationship with God is personal. It's just that personal that I've come to peace with who I am and my relationship with him. Right. Right. And I don't need to explain that to anyone else or need to fight to have people understand that. Yes. Because I'm not here for you to understand. I'm here for you to under, I'm, I'm here to understand myself more and grow my relationship with him more so that I can go out and tell more people about him, me. Right. Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a trans man, your God identity is male? Yes. How you identify God is male. Why? Do you know why? Is that, is that a question you've ever asked? Oh, you mean... Well, oh no, I'm sorry, I heard that wrong. To be honest, I, I feel like God could be male or female or both. Okay, okay. Um, I think I, think I don't so. think he has an de- identity necessarily. Or a gender. Or a gender. Right. Yeah, I don't think he does. I, I think he could be anything you want him to be. So for you, you want God to be male. I don't want him to it's, be anything. It's so hard, isn't it? Like I we want, are. I don't want him to. La- I don't want to label him because I don't want to. Come on, but you said, but you said, I don't want to label him. Yes, you still. And listen, we, I had a conversation just the other night. We've said that, who was it? There's a scripture. Well, I I named, I say it one scripture, but the other person said another. And Mm -hmm. in the same verse is, you know, God is not gender 
he in in the same verse oh god is not a man mm. god is not a man that he yeah god is not a man that he <laughs> should lie but, yeah. neither the son of man that he should repent so is god a man or not you know so, we don't know <laughs> Right. And I'm not saying I necessarily have a question, but the verse is it's in scripture in one of the, you know, in Christianity's authority. While we own or say that God is not a man, there's scripture in the authority that's that, that says he is. That says he is and is not all in one scripture. So do you think <laughs> I really feel like Christian I don't know that the Bible to me and like I asked you, I said, is it wrong to say I believe in God, but not the Bible? Yes. That that the that Bible, Christianity has conf confused me for so many years. Yeah. It's more of a Bible of confusion than clarity. For you. For me. For me. I'm speaking from I'm speaking for myself. It because for others there it may not be. Now, you know, I write, I think, that that once I finished reading the whole book, I was more confused. I had less clarity than I'd ever had before. And this was as a licensed minister yeah. with a person with a degree of biblical studies. I had all that already. I was certified men clergy. And yeah. once I sat down and took two months to read the entire Bible, I had less clarity than I'd ever had before. So what do you do with all that? Like, what do you, what do you do if you never get the answers that you want? You know, you just come to a place of acceptance because that's where I'm at. I'm at a place of acceptance. I might, I, I might not ever get the answers I want because or they're going to come from different but, ways. But maybe you are getting the answers that you want, not settling with them. So, you know, I write, you're not, ex you understand what I'm saying? So one of the things I write is that oftentimes the questions we have are the answers. The fact mm. that we have the question is the answer. Is the answer, yeah. In other words, it's not as black and white as we thought. So that, you know, when you learn that there is, there is a reason for question, it makes you, it kind of humbles you from your, from using your personal convictions against other people. Mm. And let me speak for yeah. myself. That's what it did for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I got questions about what I was taught. I got questions about what I believe, how I'm going to judge somebody else for not believing or not being Christian or not being straight or not being black or not being, yeah. you know, right. identifying as, as male while being born female or I, I, I got my own questions. <laughs> yeah. So when you understand that there is reason for question, often that is the answer. Mm that there is reason for question. Whether the question has an answer or not, there's reason for one. There's so reason. let me shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for yeah. me, what's left to do is love people. You know, love, love myself, love others. That's that's what's left to do. Because I have questions about what I was taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same, I mean, same here. But I stopped wrestling with it and just have come to a place of acceptance because I remember when I told my pastor about my transition a couple years ago and what his response was. And I always told myself, okay, if I could eat, if I could tell my mom, tell my pastor, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Now my mom didn't give me the response that I was hoping for, mm -hmm. but my pastor 
someone that I was even surprised that he even gave me the response and loved me anyway, gave gave me the response. Like I was like, wow, no pastor has ever given me this type of response. Wow. So it was like, my mom didn't, but my pastor did. And I still had this unsettling feeling. Yeah. I still was looking for something more because I'm like, how can my mom and my pastor grew up in the same generation, have a have opposite responses, reading the same book, believing right. in the same God. I think it, it might be in all fairness. Does to that make mom, sense? I it, it was a complete opposite. But in all fairness to your mom, you know, she she did she doesn't your pastor hasn't invested as much in Samantha mm. as as your mom did. But has my mom really invested in Samantha? Because had she invested in Samantha, then she would have known who Samantha was questioning in being. So let me say it this way. Then she invested in who? She uh, invested in she, her idea of who I she was. I was saying her idea, be. right. Nonetheless, it's still more than what, what, what your pastor did. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying she was right, but I am saying that's a lot oftentimes that is what those of us who accept the gender we were given at birth mm-hmm. we are also looking for help and patience you know right that we are being asked to give okay yeah makes sense definitely so, definitely so yes i'm you know i'm an empath so i can see both sides and mm-hmm. I would have something to say about the pastor if if it was the opposite. Yeah. You know, and so I could see why. And I'm not a parent, but I know how much my parents, <laughs> you know, invested in me. And so, and I also understand too, uh, that my parents are pastors. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about, Lord, I don't want to die a Christian. So mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? So often what I share with people when they ask me how my parents feel about it, out of respect for their investment, yeah, I don't talk about it. They haven't given me permission to talk about it, to oh. talk about how they feel about it. Yeah, they know about it, but mm. so you know, imagine that. Imagine the 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 length to which my parents made sure we are Christians and saved, and as 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 the Pentecostal church would say, baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. But you know all of those things. And then I show up talking about, I don't want to die a Christian. So it's the same, you know, it's the same, it's the same thing. And we have to somehow show patience and, and love in the same way we want it. You're absolutely correct. I've gotten to that point too, where I'm extending patience and grace and understanding because she also grew up in a different time too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She didn't have access to, you know, social media, you know, none of that. Yes. And what she learned about gender, sexual, you know, sexual orientation, homosexuality, whatever you want to call it. And it was wrong in their eyes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I can only understand why she would, you know, be hesitant or closed off to yeah. having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. The, the day may come. The day may come. Nonetheless, it doesn't change. It doesn't change that we have to still as much as possible, yeah. you know, without being abused, we still have to give what we want. Want. 
yeah what we desire not i'm not talking about being abused you know if you if you are in an abusive situation where you know you being called out of your name right you know or being cussed out or isolated all the time that's not what i'm talking about but if you're if your parent or whomever is open to at least having conversation with you despite you know the changes that you've made and the declarations i've made they haven't shut themselves off from other conversations then i'm yeah. cool yeah well i mean you know i'm not one to force I've tried to have the conversation. I'm not one to force people to have a conversation. Right. Uh, I'll be here when when, <laughs> when you're ready. ready. Yes. You know, and if you you're not ready. You were here for me when I was ready. Yeah. I saw your post and I was like, <laughs> this could be an opportunity for me to learn. You know, I show up to podcast all the time as an expert in my subject matter. Mm-hmm. But when I saw your post, I thought, this might be an opportunity to be an expert and a student. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not even, to be honest, I'm not even an expert. Sometimes I feel completely disconnected from the LGBT community because I look at things differently. Why? What makes you feel disconnected? For one, sometimes I don't know because I don't know the the culture, the history, all like that, or the the lingo. Mm -hmm. This is just how I've been. This is how I show up in the world. I don't, I don't have a guide. I don't have a roadmap. I can't tell you how to do it. This is just something that I've, I wake up every day. I put one foot in, for, in front of the other and I, this is just me okay. with or without the label. Like, I don't, how can I say this? Like, I don't even want to be identified as trans. Okay. I'm, I'm Sam. I'm Sam, the man. That's, that's who I see in the mirror when I wake up. Yes. I don't, the same way we don't want to be labeled and put in boxes, but then we label and put ourselves in boxes. Right. Like, I don't want to be just limited to my identity because I'm more than that. And that's what I, that's pretty much what my message is. Like, I don't need a parade to validate who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't need a, I don't need a celebration. I am visible. You don't need a month. I don't need a month. I am visible and I am visible. I'm not walking around invisible. I'm visible. Yes. I'm showing up every day and you, and I feel like you have a choice. Yeah, there, 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 there are, you know, there is racism, there is, I guess, oppression, but I don't fall into all of that. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I do, I mean, really, what is that really going to do for me to play victim? Do you feel like that's what these celebrations and months and identities are, not identities, labels are about victimization or that's the root of them or? I feel like that's the root of them. Yes. I feel like it's the root of them. Because what if we didn't have pride celebration? Who would you be without it? Ooh. You know, who, who would you be without a pride celebration? This is this is where I can relate. So I'm in China, it's a communist country and there's no Christianity. Well, Christianity is not celebrated. Right. It is tolerated. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> right. And I who am I without it? I didn't know who I was without it without being able to carry my Bible, without wearing the the T-shirts that, you know, jackets that had something to do with Christianity, without Mm -hmm. my crucifix, without being able to say I'm a member of this church and my role is this and my role is that and I'm the worship leader and I'm the pastor of music and arts. Who am I with? Now I'm none of those things. Right. And don't know who Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. 
I used to wear, you know, when I was younger, I used to rock rainbow everything. I mean, I have my flag because I, I like the colors actually, and they included the trans colors. But with even without the flag, I know who I am. I don't need the flag to represent who I am. Like, I want you to get to know me, who I am first, outside of all the other, you know, the rainbow and the transness and this, that, and the other. I really feel like having these groups, it, it still divides us. Mm. Because if we don't have anything to talk, if we don't have anything to talk about, like, for example, if we don't have anything to talk about, like, well, if we don't have things like, what's it called? Transgender Day of Visibility. Like, if we don't have those things, what else are we going to talk about? Then we would have to be forced to change the narrative and talk about something different, just like with Black people and, and racism. Mm. Like, what else would right there now. be left to talk about, you know? If I'll be in right now, because one thing I can't, I mean, racism is a real, it's hard for me, very difficult. Yeah. It, it makes me even question the existence of God. Like you could not have expected us yeah. to live our lives fighting with white people. Right. Fighting white supremacy. I mean, really? Like the rest of our lives, this is what we're supposed to do? Well, that's why I feel like the, the book, the Bible was written for a certain group of people. It was written for us to keep us suppressed. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's my honest opinion because just how you how how you write a book or somebody writes a book and you write it for a certain audience. Well, I honestly feel like the Bible was written for a certain audience because if you have white people that read the Bible and black people that read the Bible, why do the black people still feel broken or something's wrong with them where white people are privileged and prosperous? Why? We're reading from the same book, but we're interpreting God totally different. Like black and, people- And life is totally different. Life Our is totally, yeah. Yeah. Like black people were waiting for somebody to come and save us. Why Why are we still waiting for somebody to save you, save us? I definitely waiting for someone to save us. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just saying, but that's- But, but I'm not, I'm not in denial about the experience of racism. I no, still experience it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I think I definitely do. I experience it. Well, I experience it too. Maybe I'm naive. I'm just being real. But I, maybe I just try to. I don't know. Listen, I live in Georgia. Live in Columbia. <laughs> I live in Waterford. <laughs> I live. I live in the South. Is my point. And I'm not saying racism doesn't exist everywhere else. Of course it does. But and not to say but and and it exists here in the South. Yeah. I am a wellness coordinator for the YMCA. And so as a part of that, Ten uh, as a part of that, wow. As a part and of that. And we've been talking for that long. It doesn't even feel like it. No way. <laughs> wow. But as a, as a part of that, I have to make sure my areas, my fitness center is clean. And mm. so- I'm cleaning and I promise you, I've had to I've had to mention this twice in the last few weeks with my boss. If another white person asked me to come to their house and clean up, I never, and I just realized what I'm gonna start saying. I've been experiencing it there at that wow. location for probably about the three or three and a half years I've been there. Wow. Never a person of color, always a white man or woman. Well, that made me think about the Netflix series I just watched. I don't know if you've watched it, but it's called Who We Are. I think I, I think I have it on. I just saved it to my list. Yes. It's a good one to watch. It talks about systemic racism and it talks about how the South 
how basically white people have taken over the South, but the South is basically built on blacks, black people. Of course, of course. Right. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering, and my question is this, do you think that we need to start showing up more as far as like, you know, political offices so that we can make changes? Because if we just sit back and do nothing, nothing will change. I think we are showing up more. I think we are showing up more. However, white supremacy still exists. So, you know, we're showing up ha- with a fight. We're still having to fight for those positions. Yeah. Still. But I think that more people are showing up to do that. Keisha Lance Bottom is now in the White House. She was the mayor of Atlanta, you know, for a, a while. And so, but it's not, it's it's not easy. You know, we have off we've had to fight so long, sometimes you don't want to fight anymore to get where but why is it not easy though? Why why is it not easy? Why can't we exercise the same privilege that white people exercise? Because privilege after all is doing what you want, being what you want, and just why I think, can't we I we can exercise the same privilege? Why I, don't we? I I don't agree. I don't but, agree. What but what stop what is stopping us from when you talk about these positions, I think that's different. Now when you say for instance, you talk about ownership. Mm-hmm. Ownership, yeah. I mean, we Wells Fargo is being sued right now because they were denying during the pandemic. They were denying black people who wanted homes mm-hmm. the same interest rates they were giving white people. So yeah. you can't say we can exercise the same privileges when but we, we can outside. But we, but we can outside of the system. We can. Because the system is made for but a reason. But you're inviting us to the system by asking, should we be more involved? So if so, not if you create your about, own, not if you create your own system, like how black But that's not what you said. What did you I ask, say? You asked, you invited us to the system, to these places of of power. No, no, and no. So what okay. I said, if you're talking about ownership, that's different. Let me let me retract. Okay, let me let me say it differently. So. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that I feel like we could create our own system. Kind of like how back in the day, there was Black Wall Street. They had their own hospital, you know, everything, their own businesses. That's what I'm saying as far as creating our own system. But if we can't even start by supporting one another, we we give our money everywhere else, but we question wanting to support each other or we want the hookup when it comes to each other. Right. And I think social media is helping us with that. Yeah. You know, we you get the post all the time. Basically, don't ask me for the hookup no. while you pay so-and-so. I mean, you know, right. so I think social media is helping us with that. Yeah. Also, there is the Black Wall Street in Atlanta. Not to say that that is the answer to everything, but I think we're, we're working on we're it. We're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if any of us want to work at having our own system, but I, there's a lot of our own going on. I have my own bikes and breakfast for just black women. I have a, a group for just black women to go hiking. It's my own. It's our own way of enjoying outdoors. And yeah. so I think we're doing it maybe in small places or small, maybe, you know, in ways that are not always recognized or acknowledged on a larger scale, yeah. but there's Black Girls Run, there's, you know, and that's yeah. a national organization. Like, I think we're creating our own slowly. 
systematically or systems, I'm not sure about. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, Look, but I'm trying to go big. Look. Right, right. <laughs> you create, we need to create our own laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we need our, you, you're talking about an island. We need to go to our own island. We That's need to have our own, own, yes, we need to have our own island. Right. Um, but no, at the end of the day, it's all about loving each other and our differences. You know, we don't all think the same or believe the same. I definitely think it comes to a level of, of, of acceptance. I believe being so able too. to roll and, with that. And and then, you know, as we, we all talked this past Sunday, you, you know, acceptance is relative. You mm-hmm. know, it's relative to people, experiences, education, you know, environment, all of that. Yeah. So then, you know, those of us who are seeking acceptance from from people who don't understand have to be willing to accept that they don't understand. It's just it's a it's a constant dance, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was about to write a post today about, you know, some people will never accept you. You know, it just is what it is. But don't stop living your life waiting for them to accept you because it may never happen. To me, that's like holding your breath. That's from experience. Yeah, that's from experience. Right. (laughs) To me, it's like holding your breath. Yes. (laughs) Waiting to die. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm not doing that. No. No. I'm going to keep breathing, whether you accept me or not, you know? Right. Because I I think it goes back, and I I don't know if I'm taking it out of context. I'll be honest with you. And that was something I wanted to ask, too, like, what makes me a Christian? Is it because I write? Is it because I read the Bible from from front to back? Because I'll tell you this right now: I've never read the Bible from front to back. Right. Most but of does us. That, but does that make me any less of a Christian? Like, what actually makes me a Christian? According to Christianity. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, according to God, what makes me? A, a Christian. I don't believe God sees us as Christians or Jews or Hindus. I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that. So, so Jeremiah, we don't have to, we don't have to have a part two because. Oh man, Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah is an Old Testament book. Jeremiah says he he lets us in on a conversation he's having with God or God is having with him. Yes. He says he writes that God says to him, before you were in your mother's womb, yeah. I knew you. Um, I write about that. I ask the question, who is the me that God knew? Who is the self? Yeah. That God knew. Yeah. And so so I don't I don't believe God knew me as a Christian. I don't believe God knew other people as Islamic or others as Hindu, others as Jews, others as Scientologists. Uh Uh-uh. He knew us as himself. Oh, see, you know what? Did I write that? No, but that's how, that's what I'm hearing. Because I have said it many of times. So, so I asked God. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes. So I asked God, if you knew me before I was in my mother's womb, who is the me that you knew? Myself. Myself. Yeah, I didn't read that anywhere. I but that's that. why I find this topic so fascinating. Yeah. I think, yeah. And that's why I don't feel like who I am or anyone within the LGBT community is a mistake. I understand that. I think the thing is, is that you can't be limited to a mistake if you, you can only be limited to a mistake if you limit yourself to your shell. Right, and I don't limit myself to a shell. Right. 
self is is bigger or greater than yeah the package that expresses it mm-hmm. and that's why i'm so much at peace i don't you know it i used to get triggered all the time by everything stay tuned for part two interview with shandrika fee author of lord i don't want to die a christian the conversation is not over yet so until then don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Sam Castle. Also follow me on Instagram at B-U-D-U underscore the number one. Until next time, peace and blessings. <laughs>